Welcome to the podcast where you eavesdrop into conversations between my friends and I on a weekly basis. My name is Lily Jo, I'm a singer, songwriter, and I perform shows all over the world. I'm a qualified counsellor and an emotional well-being coach. You can also check out my award-winning online mental health resource, The Lily Jo Project. I know you will find gems of wisdom within the conversations that I have with my friends. Hopefully you will find tools and resources that you can hold on to, try and test for yourself all around the important subject of mental health and personal development. I am so pleased to welcome you to today's episode of Eavesdrop. On today's episode, it's my privilege to introduce you to Loretta. Loretta is a radio presenter and producer, and she also manages an amazing music artist roster and is mum to nine-year-old Rue. Loretta, welcome to Eavesdrop. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's so good that you agreed to be in conversation with me. I'm so excited because I know you have lots of nuggets and gems of wisdom to share with the listeners. I don't know about that, but I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) I know you do. So Loretta is actually a twin and that's so exciting to me. And it has been said that I I look a little bit like Loretta and her beautiful sister, Tasha. And I like to think of myself as the long lost triplet. (laughs) So what is it like to be a twin? I actually really love being a twin. I think people ask us this a lot and sometimes I think they think I'm going to say, oh, I don't really notice, but I do really enjoy it. Um, My sister's my best friend. She's definitely got my back and has always had my back. And I just, it's amazing to have somebody who you know completely knows how you think and feel in any given situation and she definitely does that so yeah I love it that's so cool and so have you had any freaky twin moments we have actually so we've had I was gonna say one that's a bit gross I was no tell us the gross one (laughs) we need to keep it real (laughs) I don't know whether to or not go on shall I say yeah you can maybe edit it out okay (laughs) please do no I don't think I should say I don't want people to think about my boobs. Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> okay, no, I'll tell you off mic after. Okay. Any other stories of freaky twin behaviour? Yeah, so <laughs> whenever one of us feel like, just think about the other one very intensely, suddenly we were always called just in case. And sometimes it's been, no, I'm fine. But not long ago, actually, my sister texted me and said, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not actually. And something had just happened where I really wasn't okay that morning and I'd not seen her. And the funny thing is she said she woke up that morning having had a dream that I wasn't okay. And then she'd forgotten it had come to mind at that point. And so that, and then a more lighthearted one is that we have often bought other people exactly the same birthday card. So even when we were living in different cities and posted my dad a birthday card, quite a few years in a row wow out of all the shops and all the cards we would choose the same one and that's amazing this year in fact we bought each other the same birthday card as well. no way but, i mean you could argue that's just because you know somebody really well uh-huh. but it is a bit weird i would absolutely love to, to have a twin sister or i would love to have twins of my own yeah i think you're crazy <laughs> I'm happy to be a twin, but having twins and everything that comes with that, two yeah. babies needing you at the same time, I, I don't think I can cope with that. Yeah, I think I'd just be really interested in the psychology of them and I'd want to just sit and watch them all the time and like learn from them and study them and like 
submit them into science experiments and stuff. <laughs> what is weird about being a twin is we're very, very close, but you have, it sounds like a weird, almost a contradiction, but we've got as many similarities as we've got differences. Mm. So there's so many things where we're really the same, but there's, we do have our differences. I'm, I'm really into personality profiling and, and psychology. And I don't know if you've heard of the Enneagram, but my yeah. sister's an Enneagram two, and I'm at Enneagram eight. Right. So very different, yet we're twins. And we have got similar personalities, but how we come out on that is always quite different. Mm, that's so interesting because we are all unique, aren't we? Yeah. We are all, all kind of unique and, and we have our own character traits and flaws and, yeah, experiences. Like, even things like love languages. Like, I was talking to another guest on the show about this. And do you girls have the same love language? That's a really good question. I don't know if we do, you know. What's yours and what's hers? Do you know that? I think mine is quality time. Mm -hmm. I think hers is probably acts of service. Do you know how often the way we express it yep. is our own one? Mm -hmm. And she definitely is acts of service. She's always people. doing things for you yeah. and others to show yeah. love, but she also wants that in return. Yeah. So and when you look be... after her children, she's like, yes, she loves me. Yeah. So and just little things to make her life easier, mm -hmm. that she's always doing things like that for people. How how can I do this? Like, oh, I'll, if I've been away, oh, I just hired your house because I knew you wouldn't want to come home to it. A messy house little things like so that lovely. which I would never think of doing but I would more go I'm going to take you out for the day or yes let's I have like coffee to buy or wine or... as well like okay little, not expensive elaborate gifts but little things that are well thought out mm -hmm. that show someone that I've, I've really thought about what would make them happy or what they like so I think that's one of mine as well yeah oh I love the five love languages and I'll put a link in the description box below with how to take the love languages test and the book that we're talking about mm. it's Gary Chapman isn't that's it? it yeah yeah Cool. So obviously on eavesdrop, we like to talk about deep and meaningful topics and we like to kind of delve into those vulnerable places. And I know that, Loretta, you've been through some really hard experiences over the last decade. And I wondered if you'd be willing to share a little bit of that with the listeners today. Yeah, sure. I mean, in some ways, I always think about this and it's a big deal to me because it's happened to me, but we all go through difficulties and through pain and nobody has a monopoly on pain. But the thing about pain and difficulties is, is they shape us. Mm. And the, the question is how we let it shape us and whether we can either learn from it. Sometimes there's not anything to learn. Sometimes just life's just really crap. Mm. <laughs> but sometimes we can decide whether it becomes who we are and becomes our narrative and our story. And that's something I've been really keen to work through. So the biggest thing that's happened to me over the last 10 years is that I got divorced and we're just around my son's first birthday is when it really broke down. Mm. So, you know, it is a trying time when you have children. I think it does test relationships, but I think there were issues there in the relationship beforehand. But I, I'd put off being a parent for many years because of my own fears. But also I think deep down, I wondered whether the relationship could handle it. I had lots of fears about, being a parent and I think one of my biggest fears was to end up as a single parent because I'd seen my mum struggle through that and it, it felt like all of my fears happened mm, very wow. quickly yeah. all in succession. I'd struggled with depression in the past and I was really concerned that I would have postnatal depression when I had my son 
And the amazing surprise was I actually didn't. Okay. And it's funny because when I look back at that first year, it was the worst year of my life and the best year of my life at the same time, mm. if that's possible. Mm -hmm. Because I really expected parenthood to be horrible, actually. Like, so you know how a lot of people have, oh, it's going to be, I really want a baby, it's going to be so nice. And they have all the romantic thing and it gets shattered because it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. I was the opposite. I was like, it's going to be awful. I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to hate myself. I'm going to have no isolated depression. And when I felt this rush of love for this little boy when mm. he was born, and I actually found some of it very natural. And I thought I'd be such an unnatural mother. I really didn't think I was mother material. So there was these beautiful things that were being awakened and that I was discovering at the same time that this other important thing in my life was falling apart. So I remember it being so shocked and amazed at motherhood and then at the same time having my life fall apart and everything that I, I held stable and everything came into question like it does when you become a parent you you couldn't for a while lose your sense of who you are as a woman and mm. as a person mm -hmm. even and then your identity of being a married woman and and, and you have an idea of how your life's going to be obviously most people all people I think when they get married they hope that that will be a relationship that lasts mm. and that it'll be someone they grow old with so to have all of these things happen all at once I just remember just being so low and just looking out and not feeling like I had anything to look forward to, just seeing like this abyss of darkness just stretched out in mm. front of me and just not really knowing, not wanting to experience anything that I could, I felt like I had to preserve myself and just survive, mm. particularly for my son. So I shut down on every area. Some of it subconsciously, some of it consciously. Mm -hmm. And I was on antidepressants for just under a year. And I just remember feeling numb in mm -hmm. every way to, to most things. Wow. Yeah, that feels quite terrifying, actually, to, to, to look out onto your life and be like, I just see a black abyss. Mm. I feel like, you know, that's, that's scary. So how did you come out of that? How did you come out of the other side? How did you sort of, I'm just imagining you journeying through this black, dark tunnel and then slowly but surely you just see a tiny glimmer of light and then the light gets brighter and brighter and brighter was it a bit like that and how did that happen yeah I, I felt like I was in the tunnel for a long time mm. and in that I was just blindly walking and I remember mm. each day it was like just put one foot in front of the other so that's how I coped with it in the immediate yeah just you know I'd hear the, my baby through the monitor it's five in the morning as he usually got up really early mm. and just thinking how am I going to get through this day and I just okay. took each task and I'm just saying this for anyone who's listening who's literally I don't know how to get through my day because I had days when I was like I couldn't even cope with thinking about seven o'clock in the evening because I didn't know how I was going to get to work so what I would do is I'd break it down into tasks literally I'm now going to swing my legs around and sit on the edge of the bed I'm going to go and do it. I'm now going to do this for the bit. I'm going to do it. And I had to give myself one task at a time. I'd come into work. I'd go in the toilets, have a little cry, go, I'm now going to walk up the stairs. And literally I had to take each thing one by one, each task to get through. And I think in that dark tunnel, the, there was, so there was blindly walking, but walking, mm -hmm. just keep moving rather than laying down. But also my friends guided me through the darkness. Mm. So where I couldn't Great. see they would have their shoulder on me and just mm. guide me through. And that wasn't in That's a, beautiful. Um, 
they didn't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. There were no answers. There often aren't any answers or the right things to say. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it would be there just saying, this is really horrible, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But I'm next to you. I'm here. And that's what I needed just yeah. to give me permission to be able to feel what I felt and to be authentic in that. And then to be really practical from buying me shopping when I didn't have any money mm-hmm. to looking after my son for a couple of hours so I could sleep. Just little things like that. That's so amazing to hear that there are people out there that can be that kind. Yeah. You know, yeah. what an amazing circle of friends you had. So Loretta's friends, well done. <laughs> That's incredible. You know, I, I was surprised at the friends that I lost during that time because it was just too difficult for them and I, I don't judge them for it but I was also surprised at those who stepped up but one thing's sure when you go through difficulties and very public ones you find out who your friends are mm. your friends who will really stick by you through it through thick and thin when I was a lot I, I remember a day when my senses got turned back on mm. was that when the light was getting brighter at yeah, the end of well, the tunnel was, you could no see the light, light. it was literally oh, was, um, okay that was the pulling on the string to turn it and I wouldn't say illuminated it was a dimmer light yes but I didn't listen I love music and for two years I didn't listen to any music which anyone who knows me now is like what because I constantly listen to music I didn't read I didn't want anything that would possibly awaken senses I was trying not to feel just trying to cope and I remember one day just going I want to put a cd on and I put some music on can you remember what that cd was no, I can't remember, you know. I can't remember what it was. But it was just like listening to music for the first time. And in doing that, it awakened all my senses. Mm. I remember the next day hearing birds outside. And obviously they had been outside for the last two years, but I didn't <laughs> notice them. I noticed the trees, I noticed the sky. And I had just, I felt like I'd been looking down with earmuffs on and mm. just trying to muffle all my senses and and the music awakened all the other ones and I started to feel myself come alive again and that with that is scary because as soon as you can feel again you're worried about the feelings come coming rushing in because mm-hmm. I think I definitely had been hard on myself at what I was allowed to feel and I remember saying to the doctor I'm sorry I'm too busy to have a breakdown you, mm-hmm. you need to give me something mm-hmm. to cope to get through the next few days which is a ridiculous thing to say we need to give space to our thoughts and our vulnerability but I was very much a control freak and I was yeah. even trying to manage my pain which sure. you can't do yeah so my friends helped me to to give myself permission to feel and to do that and then I read a million self-help books mm-hmm. what was your favorite there's two psychologists called Cloud and Townsend Dr Henry Cloud and Stuart no, not Stuart Townsend, he's a singer. <laughs> anyway, it's Cloud and Townsend. Uh-huh. And they write a lot about showing up, being ourselves. So they've got books on boundaries and putting boundaries with with others and with ourselves. But also there's one on four steps of healing, very practical things of, of dealing with endings and, and loss. So I, I did all the work I could do. Great. When I felt strong enough because I didn't for a long time. I learned to my friends. I did all the work I practically could. I went to a therapist, mm-hmm. therapy for a year. So I did those things. But there's a part of healing that can only come through time mm. and through experience of, it, of being having it loved out of you. Mm. And my healing's not complete, mm-hmm. but it's, it's so much further on. 
And it's made me a much more authentic person. I just yeah. don't want anything fake anymore. I can't be bothered with it. Mm. So I want authentic relationships. I want authentic conversations. I don't skirt away from things. And I found that by showing up myself, it invites others to show up with their true mm. self. And we so need that. That's we crave amazing. it. As soon as yeah. someone's fake, we feel we're fake back because mm. we think, oh, this is clearly not a safe place to be myself. Sure. But it takes for one person to be vulnerable. And, and we have to be careful who we do that with. I still have my five girlfriends who know everything, the good, the bad, mm-hmm. and the ugly. Mm-hmm. But I do try and challenge myself to be, to show up for people, to give them permission to as well. That is so incredible. And I know there's loads there for people to kind of take hold of and learn from. No, 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 I'm Counseling is a talking therapy which can provide support and treatment for a wide range of mental health and emotional issues. It offers a safe and confidential space where you can discuss your problems and difficult feelings openly. Counseling Directory connects you with professional support. Please find a link to their amazing website in the description box below. What would you say to the single mum out there who might be listening today, who is in the middle of that tunnel, is going through the numbness? What maybe words of advice or hope could you give to them? I think all season, everything changes. Everything has to change. And when I couldn't see any hope, I know by you only have to look at nature. Great. You only have to look at anything to know that nothing stays the same. So at one point, all I can hold on to is, I don't know if it's what it's going to be, and it might even be worse, but I'm not going to feel how I feel now all the time. That is so good. And it was sounds like a small thing, but that was just about enough to keep you Because the worst thing was the idea of feeling like that forever mm-hmm. or not feeling at all forever. Mm. But the idea that everything has to change, all it has to, it's the nature of, of life and of existence. Yeah. So at some point you will feel different. But also, I call myself a realist, but certainly in my depression, it went into being a cynic. And where I would begin to expect the worst and embrace myself, if the phone rang, that's going to be negative news or the text is going to be something awful. As much as I was like, when people would say to me, oh, something good would happen, I'd be like, yeah, but what if it's not? Because this string of difficult things happened to me. I realised that as much as I have no guarantee that anything good will happen, I also have no guarantee that anything bad's going to happen. It's brilliant. It really flipped a switch in my mind because I was working in certainty that something awful was going to happen, that it was going to continue like this. In as much as unexpected bad things can happen, unexpected good things can happen. Yeah. And along the way, there have been some unexpected good things, little gifts and things that hold you can hold on to. But by seeking authentic relationships, people to be real around, to walk that through, sometimes you have to, when you don't have the strength, rely on somebody else's strength Mm -hmm. or belief that it's going to be okay for you and let them carry you through on on their faith. And just, I know you don't believe this quite right now, but it is going to be. Mm. And just go, okay. That is so cool. So basically, everything happens in seasons and stages. And 
there is hope. There is always hope because something will change. Yeah, after the rain, at some point the sun will come. After the hard, long winter, at some point the spring will come. You know, there is that hope. And actually, if you can't believe it for yourself, find someone that you can be really honest with Mm. and let them believe it for you. Yeah. And let them carry you through that. Yeah. So if there's somebody or there's people out there listening today and they've got a friend or a family member going through severe loss or divorce or that kind of thing, what you're saying is be there for, but be there for that person, like show up for them, tell them that you're thinking about them, sit with them in their pain. Yeah, and not feel like you have to have the answers because greatly aren't sometimes to life's hardest thing there isn't the right thing to say and you Mm -hmm. certainly can't make it better no acknowledging sometimes that this is really rubbish right now can give someone permission to feel yeah and it's not always going to be though but right now it is but i'm just here next to you i'm here beside you is probably one of the most powerful things you can do Mm. and just keep checking in on that person be present with them so good find the little small things like you know, when you, you feel really, when you're really struggling with depression, the tiniest things can be such a chore. So to have someone even thinking about those and helping you practically with things, so taking anything that could be weighing on your mind, taking that off your plate can help. That is amazing. Yes, yeah, so good. Okay, so you are a single mom. You're navigating single mom life and you're doing a fantastic job with everything else that you're juggling but how can we grow our boys to be strong healthy young men with their self-esteem intact it's a brilliant question and it's something I've grappled with a lot I think every parent as soon as you become a parent you're like wow I'm shaping this person's personality but at the same time I do think there is a crisis with boys and with men in particular and of course our boys are tomorrow's men and I think that has an implication on on women as well I think there's been lots of focus on how women should act and the responsibility they should take for their own lives and how they're perceived and those things but I think that's been the wrong way around for a long time I think if we start focusing that on boys not to punish boys and say you need to do this but a to teach boys how to be men how to be in touch with themselves when I say that how to be men straight away we can think oh how to be tough how to mm-hmm. be not cry not show emotions I think how to be a man is this elusive thing at the moment people aren't sure anymore what that means mm. and how to be a man is the same as how to be a woman how to be your authentic true best self mm. and teaching our boys to do that so to be able to feel their feelings to process them to communicate about their feelings how amazing would it be if we had a generation of men who could, are able to say what they feel own their feelings and also understand somebody else's yeah but why do we think that they should know that if we don't teach them or mm. give them permission to feel that when they're growing up so giving my son male role models is really an important thing for me because sometimes I wonder if I'm even equipped to grow him to be a man mm-hmm. because I'm a woman and mm-hmm. he's actually got a great relationship with his dad I will say that and he he sees his dad and and that's great but I make sure as well that there's other men in his life because Brilliant you get to that point where your kids don't want it to be their parents. They don't want to listen to their parents. Mm-hmm. So my brother-in-law and some of my male friends who are just great guys and really connect with him, particularly on a music level, they'll spend time with him and he can see 
them treating women respectively, but also having dreams of their own and owning their own emotions and putting their hands up when they get things wrong and mm. all of those things that we want men to do. We have to start te- treating them, teaching them how to do it now. Yeah, that's so good. So good. So what do you guys like to do together? What's your favourite thing to do, mother and son? We've had quite a lot of adventures together. We I've noticed on your yeah. Instagram, it's lovely to see. <laughs> so even before he started school, when he was four, we went travelling. We went backpacking around Europe for about seven weeks. So we went to France, Spain and Italy and just wow. me and him backpacking with a tent. Which That's when I look so back now, fun! That's crazy! <laughs> now I'm like, I don't know if I'd be brave enough to do that now, but I did then. I needed to, I went on a bit of a sabbatical. I wanted us to have an adventure before he started school. So we really like traveling. So we went to Paris earlier this year. We always go and do an adventure. Mm-hmm. But one of the things we love is music. We both love music. So I've taken him to a lot of music festivals. Thrill. Yeah. Um, we recently went to Lovebox Festival. And because it said on the thing, I looked to see if it said you could take children and there was no lower age group. So I thought, oh, other people will take their kids. He was the only kid there. <laughs> the only kid at Lovebox. No the amazing way. Is he made loads of friends. He's very outgoing. I think um, adults love it when they see a kid in, in, a, in the yeah. wrong environment. You think they won't, but they kept going, is that your little boy? Yeah. And literally... But tapping him, Rude, do you want to get on my shoulders? That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Loved it in his element watching Childish Gambino. Brilliant. Flossing away. Had people can't say, excuse me, could you teach me how to floss, please? He was Incredible. like, yes, I can. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the things we love doing is going and seeing live music. Oh, that is so good. And you guys have such a lovely relationship, which is so great to see, you know? I hope so. I, you know, you, I do honestly feel like I'm making it up as I go along in terms of parenthood, but I think mm. a lot of us feel that way. And, yeah. you know, I am definitely not one of those mums that tries to be my kid's mate because I'm like, I'm your mum mm. and you need to listen to me. But at the same time, I hope that we can keep the open dialogue that we've still got. He, Even when he's been a bit of a monkey, particularly at bedtime, we do books and we talk mm. and it will all come out then and he'll talk and say, I'm really sorry. I was like that. And at the moment, he tells me everything. He processes everything. And I know that this is a short window. It may not carry on. Oh. I'm just enjoying it at the moment. I hope it means... In the future, even when he's older, if there is something difficult, he'll know he can talk to me. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I had this bedtime chat. We always have bedtime chats, um, me and Dylan. If 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 we're going to talk, it's going to be at bedtime. And I think it's part of it is that he wants to prolong bedtime. stay up later but I go with it at the moment and um he was saying to me I hope it's okay to share this Dylan if you're listening but he was saying he was a little bit scared about becoming a teenager and what that would mean for him and I was just like do you know what just keep close to us that was my only advice I didn't really know what to say I was like just stay open keep your dialogue open keep close to us and don't push us away because I think when you start to push us away, that's when it could go wrong. But actually, we've been there and we love you and we've always been there for you. So we're not going to leave you now. So even though you feel scared and you don't know what's ahead, and I think there is a lot of scaremongery, like your body will start to do this. <laughs> and it's like, I have no control of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But actually, just keep talking to us, stay open and we'll get you through it you know we won't fail you this is why I ask you for parenting advice (laughs) that's so good but you know like you said I'm just making it up in the moment I don't know really what to do or say I've never raised a boy before you know it's all first time you don't really get a second shot at it it's hard isn't it and um, 
I joked before that, oh, I just hope I'm not messing up too much so we'll be in therapy at 30. But like <laughs> you've said often, we all need that. We all need yeah. therapy. And I, I'm an advocate for people talking things through mm-hmm. and working things through. So, so be it. Yeah, so be it. And actually, if he is in therapy, it means that he's talking about it and he's not bottling it up. So that's a good thing. <laughs> so if people want to follow you on Twitter or Instagram, where can we find you? So I probably use Instagram the most and it's at Law Andrews. Great. And Twitter is at Law underscore Andrews. And you can find links through there to the radio station and the music management and stuff I do as well. Okay, fantastic. Well, it's been so lovely to speak to you and I don't want to keep you for any longer. Thank you for sharing your time with me and thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And I know that this conversation is going to help and inspire lots of people. And so um, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please be sure to subscribe. And if you're feeling generous, why not share with your friends? Please check the description box below for extra links and further information to some of the topics discussed in today's episode. Also, you'll find information about what's coming next. For further information, top tips and advice on all kinds of mental health issues, including low mood, anxiety, self-harm, eating disorders and more, please do check out www.thelilyjoeproject.com. You can find my music across all digital platforms, including Spotify and iTunes. See you next time. for an interactive workshop on how to overcome low self-esteem for your next festival, youth event or schools workshop. Why not book me, Lily Jo, to lead my brand new I Am Worthy workshop where I teach best practices on how to overcome low self-esteem. This workshop is not just for girls, but it's for your guys as well. Find a link in the description box below to book today. And don't forget to use the unique discount code eavesdrop for 10% off. Are you feeling stuck? Do you need a little help to get your life back on track? Do you have big dreams but don't know where to start? Why not book a session with me where we can explore together your dreams and turn them into a reality? I offer life coaching to individuals through my unstoppable life coaching business. Why not find a link in the description box below and book today? And don't forget to use the unique discount code eavesdrop for an extra 10% off. Dress baby like one, two, three. You can never put chains on me.